hope to you, siblings in Christ, from Jesus, who ensures that things are not always what they seem. Amen. Last Friday night, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Ben, and I hosted a trunk for the Trunk or Treat event here. Our theme was The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and we all had costumes. I will let you guess whose idea this was and whose enthusiasm forced the other two to participate. <laughs> Pastor Ben was a pretty convincing Grinch, complete with a big Grinch head, which I thought was great, but our two-year-old Clara most definitely did not. She was unfazed by my Cindy Lou Who costume, not bothered by Pastor Kevin transforming into a can of Who hash, so I don't know, that may mean that's the role you were born to play there, Kevin. But when her daddy put on that Grinch head, she took one look, backed behind my legs, and said, no, I don't like it. Take it off. Despite Ben repeatedly taking off the mask to reassure her, and my attempts to explain that it was just a costume, Clara remained unconvinced. She wanted nothing to do with it. Clara is still learning that things are not always what they seem. That's a big theme for Halloween, right? And part of the fun, we subject ourselves to haunted houses, we set out decorations, we put on costumes to pretend that we're someone or something else, all the while leaning on the assurance that things are not what they seem. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's confusing, and sometimes it's unsettling, as it was for Clara. It occurred to me this week that things are not what they seem isn't just a theme for Halloween. It could also be the theme for today, for All Saints Sunday. And not only that, but it's also a major theme, a major part of what we believe as Christians. Take the gospel for today that we just heard. Jesus has been traveling around the countryside teaching and healing. Word has gone around fast about this guy. A large crowd has gathered around him. They're, here to hear, they're there to hear him speak. And the crowd is not, as author Frederick Buechner imagines it, what you'd call a high-class crowd peasants and fisher folk for the most part on the shabby side, not all that bright. Looking out at this motley group of people who are poor, with no power or influence, many of whom are weak or sick or desperate, Jesus starts talking to them. And the very first thing he does is to bless them. Buechner suggests that if we didn't already know, but were asked to guess the kind of people Jesus would pick out for special commendation, we might be tempted to guess one sort or another of spiritual hero. Men and women of impeccable credentials, morally, spiritually, humanly, and every which way. And we would, right? We do this. When we think about what it means to be blessed, we picture happy, positive things. Good health, loving family, financial gain, professional success, great vacations. These are the things that blessed people have. The kind of life 
that blessing looks like for us. But not for Jesus. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. Blessed are the people who suffer, who long for a different world, who finish last. Most of us do not look at people in these positions and assume that they are blessed. If anything, we assume that God has forgotten them or abandoned them or is punishing them. That might be how we feel, too, when we find ourselves in one of those categories. Like Clara with the Grinch mask, we encounter these realities and we want to back away, shaking our heads and saying no. But in God's eyes, in God's kingdom, things are not what they seem. And it is these groups of people that God holds in high esteem and in special care. And since this is the case, it's worth asking ourselves some questions. How would we see people differently if we looked for blessing where Jesus declares it? Who around us might be blessed, a special recipient of God's particular care and attention, and need to hear that blessing spoken to them? What in our own lives and hearts does God declare blessed when we might say otherwise? Things aren't always what they seem. The blessed aren't who we think they are, and Jesus doesn't stop there. His words also declare that the value of individualism is not what we think it is. The blessings Jesus gives come to groups, to communities. Blessed are they. Blessed are all of you. This is not how we think or behave most of the time. We live in a highly individualized society. We value privacy and individual rights over most things. We think of a blessing as something that an, any given individual earns. And when something goes wrong, we often want to keep it quiet. We want to pretend that things are fine. But Jesus upends all of this. He says that God's blessings are experienced in community that we realize them most fully together. We find the encouragement, support, the hope that we need. We feel God's special care and attention most clearly in the body of Christ, in each other. Blessed are we when we bless one another in all of the ups and downs that life brings. Things are not always what they seem. The blessed aren't who we think they are. The value of individualism isn't what we assume it is, and even the nature of time and space are not what we think they are. When Jesus pronounces blessings in today's gospel, he repeatedly says, blessed are they, present tense, for they will, future tense. The present and the future are held together. Most of the time, we believe that time and space have firm boundaries. We can't be in two places at once. We can't go back in time. 
What used to be isn't anymore, and what will be hasn't happened yet. But Jesus points to a different reality. One of the gifts that Celtic Christianity has given to the whole church is the concept of thin places. The idea that there are places where the boundaries between this world and the next are nearly erased. This is what Jesus does. This is what All Saints Sunday celebrates. In Jesus, time and space are nothing. Our ancestors in faith, our dear ones who have died, those who are separated from us by distance, strained relationships, dementia, or other diseases, those that we haven't met yet or won't ever meet in this lifetime, we remain connected to them all in Jesus. We are the body of Christ together, not limited by time or space. When we celebrate communion, not just today on All Saints, but every time we do, we are sharing in the body of Christ. Not just the body of Christ as in the wafer and the wine, but also the body of Christ as in the community of believers. Every saint of God, everyone who has been or is or will be redeemed by Jesus gathers for this feast. Those that we can see here in the room and those we can't. To remind you of this, we're inviting you to write down the names of the dear ones that you are missing this morning on a post-it note and bring that up to the rails when you come for communion because they are all here too. And if you're worshiping online, know that you are here too. You're present for this meal and you're invited to grab a piece of paper, write down the names of the people that you're missing and know that they are present too. Things aren't always what they seem. Blessed aren't who we assume they are. The value of individualism is not what we think it is. Time and space are not so hard and fast as they appear. And the ultimate promise of Christianity that we cling tight to on a day like All Saints Sunday is that not even death is what it seems. This is not to say that death is not real. We know all too well that it is. This table of pictures, all of these candles, the 22 candles up here on the altar, they all bear witness to the very real presence of death in our lives. And announcing that death is not what it seems is also not to say that the absence we experience when a loved one dies doesn't hurt, because it does. It hurts like hell. And Jesus declares that precisely in the middle of that hell, we are blessed by God's special care and attention, by the support of the body of Christ. Because of Jesus, we are sustained by the promise that those goodbyes, painful as they are, are not permanent. Because of Jesus, nothing can separate us from God's love, not even death. And that means that in Jesus, death can't separate us from each other either. Because of Jesus, things are not always what they seem. 
Because of Jesus, the power of death is unmasked, and we get to see it for what it really is. Not the end, as it appears to be, but only a doorway into eternal and abundant life. And because of Jesus, that life is for all of us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.